It's like Thunderdome, but with more contestants, their children, and no Tina Turner. Today's films, Battle Royale versus The Hunger Games. And may the odds be ever in your favor. These movies should have Tina Turner, though. Both of them. Right. Every should. movie should have Tina Turner. Yes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first ever episode of Movie Deja Vu, a podcast that answers the question, didn't I see this somewhere? From two movie aficionados. My name is John, and with me is my co-host, Shady. Shady, how are you doing? Uh, I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Good to hear. Yeah. Uh, we're starting this podcast because we love movies and we love to rip them apart and see how they're like other films. Am I right in that, Shady? Yeah. Yeah. Media Uh, studies. Let's put that degree to use. (laughs) Uh, Today we're talking about Battle Royale and The Hunger Games, as stated earlier. Uh, Battle Royale came out in 2000. It is written by Kenta Fukasaku and directed by Kinji Fukasaku. Uh, It has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 87% fresh. And on Metacritic, it has an 81 out of 100, which, Shady, you have that up right now. Yeah. Can you break it down even further? The breakdown is they only aggregated seven critical reviews for this six of those were positive one was negative and according to imdb in the future the japanese government captures a class of ninth grade students and forces them to kill each other under the revolutionary battle royale act sounds fun (laughs) (laughs) And and we also have the hunger games Came out in 2012. It is written by Gary Ross, Suzanne Collins, and Billy Ray. Directed by Gary Ross. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of 84% fresh. And on Metacritic, it has a 68 out of 100. I'm about to back to you, Shady. (laughs) The breakdown for that is 49 reviews, so a lot more. Um, 39 of them were positive. Eight were mixed, and two were negative. And so according- again, it's a very positive score by Metacritic's um, metric. And according to IMDb, this movie is about Katniss Ever- Everdeen voluntarily taking the place of her younger sister in The Hunger Games, a televised competition in which two teenagers from each of the 12 districts of Pan Am are chosen at random to fight to the death. There was no comma there. I just ran out of breath. Uh, <laughs> okay. Here on Movie Deja Vu, we're going to create a verbal Venn diagram. And Shady and I don't know what each other have uh, in their notes. So it's going to be interesting. Um, So I'm going to let Shady go first with her first comparison that she'd like to share. The the first comparison? One One of your comparisons, basically. They're both based off of books. (laughs) Yes, I got that one too. Um, Um, Pretty easy one to get out of the way. I did break it down, though, to say that Battle Royale is written in third person, um, and it gives every character a moment. The book does. Right. And The Hunger Games 
I feel like had a little more of a task because it was written in first person through Katniss's perspective. Right. So yeah, then but- they had to add in those scenes with like Caesar and like uh, President Snow uh, to it- tell the audience, you know, those that didn't read the book, what they should be learning at right. this point. Yeah, it, it's a good like little exposition um, sort of tool that they have. Yes. Um, Why don't we just like strip the plot down okay. to bare bones? Because that is where I feel like we'll get a lot of comparisons out of these two films. Right. That's, I mean, kind of all of the comparisons almost. So I have three basic points. Uh, for plot feel free to add anything or interject and we can discuss even further (laughs) um i have the that well as stated multiple times already children are forced to kill each other until there's a last person standing that is like the number one rule in both movies um all these Kids, I use that term loosely because they're really teens in both movies for the most part. Most of them, yes. Uh, They're forced to stay in a deserted location. Um, And in the end, multiple people survive. Did I miss anything? Not really. I I know you're looking at me. You're looking at me like you want to argue. No, no. um, I guess... uh... One other thing that's sort of similar um, is that in each of them, there is one character who is sort of a mentor to the main character who has survived a previous version of this game. Ooh, I have seen both movies millions of times <laughs> and I haven't even thought of that. So right. in- I mean, like their roles are very different. They're very changed, but like just basically being a mentor who's previously done this, that's the same. So obviously you're talking about Shogo in Battle Royale and Haymitch. Yeah. But the different main difference being that Shogo is still a teenager or young-ish adult. He's in the game itself. Right. He's in the game itself, and Haymitch is outside of the game. And he's well, try, well kind of. outside of the arena. There we maybe. go. <laughs> um, and he's much older than... Katniss, the hero. So now, with my basic breakdown, there are differences <laughs> with, it, yeah. with everything. Yeah. Um, right off the bat, I'm just going to say this before I start going back into my bullet points. Um, their arrival into the arena is totally different. So, yeah. in Battle Royale, <laughs> They are brought there right away, and I wish I got a time code for both of these so I can make my point. Uh-huh. Uh, and then in the Hunger Games, they go through like a whole grooming ritual before they head to the arena, which there's a big gap in the number of kids in both of them. Yeah. Um, you have a class of 40 with two transfer students i hate that they did that uh uh, in battle royale and all the kids have names 
that's a that also listeners this is going to be a big thing for me when we get to future episodes i like characters that have names (laughs) (laughs) even if it's guy on barstool if he talks i want him to have a credited name (laughs) um but yeah, that's my pet peeve. And in Hunger Games, no, not in Hunger Games, in Battle Royale, uh, they're all, give or take, 15 years old. Like, mm-hmm. I think Shogo uh, and Kazuo may be like 16 or 17. Who yeah, knows? Well, they they're, never... they're played by older actors, right? Yes. And we will get to that later <laughs> in in a future segment on this episode. Wink! <laughs> um, and then in Hunger Games, you know that there's 24 kids. Um, two kids are picked out of each of the 12 districts. Not everyone has a name, which is... Boy from District 3 should have a name, and, and not Boy from District 3. Or Dogface should have a real name. But that's... Dog, do you mean Foxface? That too. Sorry. <laughs> I'm thinking of parody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I actually kind of like that these characters don't have a name because it's this whole movie is from one character's point of view. And I saw she, that earlier too. Yeah. But she has no relationship to any of these people except that they are an obstacle to her. So she never learns their names or remembers their names. So that's why they don't get a name. Well, yeah. And that's like a uh a, another difference is that uh, the kids in battle royale know each other and then in the hunger games they may know the person in their district yeah it's a little uh, different with like districts one and two because they went to a specific academy to train for the hunger games for like their whole lives but, but then Katniss and Peta like just know each other by name. They're not like best friends. Right. They kind of know each other by reputation because they live in the same town. Right. And then in the Hunger Games, they have a range of ages from 11 to 18 for those that can per- quote unquote participate in the games. Yeah. I think uh, it starts at 12. I did look it up and Primrose and Rue are supposed to be 12. I lied, everyone. And that's why, and that's why I have a co- and that's why Shady and I are co-hosts because she balances me out. <laughs> no one will ever take us seriously now. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> so my second point that I had is that they're forced to stay on a deserted location. Mm-hmm. In Battle Royale, it's on an island. I know that they filmed in multiple locations, so like the actual island that they are in the movie is like an amalgamation of different islands Mm -hmm. in Japan. Uh, I don't think, I don't remember if it's ever named in the movie. I don't think it is. I don't remember it being named. But really, one of the major things that is a big difference is that in Battle Royale, they have these collars that the students wear around their necks that that'll explode if they are in certain zones within the island. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's special to Battle Royale. Hunger Games have no such thing. However, you got the game makers. 
those assholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's um going back to the locations of them. They're both remote locations, but in the Hunger Games, it is actually a closed arena. It's just disguised via technology to seem open. So it seems like it's this forest. That's mentioned in future ones, not in this one. <laughs> no, there's they like project stuff on the ceiling though and everything. That's true. Yeah. And uh, and we'll probably you probably have this later, but like in later books and movies, it's expanded more to yeah. talk about. That becomes a major plot point in, in especially the second movie one. Two. Yeah. And then multiple people survive. Bleah. And then I have multiple people survive, which off camera, before we started recording this, Shitty and I got into a heated argument about this. It was mildly heated. So we're going to try and reenact it for you people. (laughs) I, this is, this is, uh, okay, okay. Cracking knuckles, cracking knuckles. Uh, (laughs) So I have that. Shogo does technically win. However, he helped fake the deaths of Shuya and Noriko, and Shuya ends up killing Kitano uh, Sensei, and this is all part of their plan. I mean, except for killing Kitano. That wasn't really... It's fortuitous, though. It's, it's, it's <laughs> like we're, we're leaving this island, whether you like it or not, and Kitano represents the government at that point. So that's them just basically saying, fuck you to the government. Whereas in Hunger Games, Katniss and Peeta threaten to kill themselves, and that is all improvised. Right. Um, There is a change. The game makers, because they're a bunch of facetious assholes. They're producers, basically. (laughs) Yeah, the reality TV producers, they care more about ratings and entertainment than they do about human lives. So they keep changing the rules to try to create a better story, so to speak, where they change the rules briefly so that Katniss and Peeta, if they both won, because they're from the same district, if they were the last two standing, they would both be allowed to win. Sure Um, enough, as soon as they're the last two standing, the game makers announced, nope, we take back that rule. One of you has to die. And so Katniss and Peeta, to sort of twist that back around on the game makers, threaten to it sounded like I said gay makers instead of game makers. They don't make anyone gay. It's not that kind of story. I know. Um read the parody. <laughs> <laughs> um but they do turn those rules back around on the game makers um by threatening to kill themselves. So the game makers at the very end are like, okay, 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 you can both win because they would rather have two winners than no winner. Yeah, that so that's one of the major differences between these. And I'm sorry, listener, we're going to be jumping around because we're still figuring out this show too. Yeah. Um, so you had said that you made this a comparison that there were multiple winners in both of them. My argument is that in Battle Royale, there's still only technically one winner and that the other two cheat to survive. Whereas I in mean... the they are both outright winners and they had to, without breaking the rules, manipulate the rules. I mean, I know we're doing this on an audio media, but <laughs> I did try to stress that winners was in air quotes. <laughs> I would argue that semantics, both of them have multiple survivors. One of them has one winner. It's, technically, you're not wrong. Technically, you're correct. 
technicality. <laughs> but semantically, I'm correct. So both of us win in shitty ways. <laughs> well, so I want to get more into the shitty game makers because both movies, movies. do use media differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned earlier that the games are televised. So obviously from the minute you're picked in the reaping till the end of the game with the last person standing and then some, you are in the Hunger Games, which you have uh, you have the game makers, which... Uh, we we said they mess with their own rules. Like they they start the game, this specific game, with their tried and true rules, and then to make be- better television, they change it on themselves. Yeah. Whereas the only use of media that we see in Battle Royale is they just report the winner. Yeah, Battle Royale opens up um, with the winner of the previous Battle Royale, or whatever we're calling the game. Um, Uh, It's the program. The program, that's right. Um, Thank you. Um, It opens up with the winner of the previous program and a bunch of reporters sort of bum-rushing her, trying to get, like, a statement out of her, and her very creepily smiling. I'm gonna say, though, to their defense... Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it did come out earlier, so we didn't have the boom right. that we do of reality television, so they were more focused on the news media coverage of it, right. Right? where right. you have multiple stations, presumably, uh, flooding this poor girl that is covered in blood and is menacingly smiling, um, and they just want want to get a good sound bite out of her, whereas Hunger Games is more a commentary on reality, reality television. Yeah, it's very much um, like The Bachelor, for example. If you're on The Bachelor, once your season is over, people still are obsessed with you and still want to follow you and see what's going on with your life and you still end up in like gossip magazines and stuff like that or I guess websites now who reads magazines anymore speaking of um producing a story for for reality television both involve a love story kind of (laughs) yeah yeah so (laughs) that is the whole basis of the Hunger Games where Katniss and potentially Beta um create a false storyline a false love story to help win right well to help Katniss win because it's never really clear if Peta did like her when he first announced it right my personal theory having seen all the movies and read all the books I think he had a crush on her as like an idea of a person but then when he got to know her and when they were surviving in the game, it turned into more of right. a thing. Whereas throughout the whole game, Katniss was just focusing on a winning. Right. Um, te- technically, this 
movie is a love triangle because she also has feelings for hunky gail back in district 12 oh gail he's tall i guess i don't know you're clearly team Peta, right um i mean if i could be i'd be team nobody but i prefer Peta to gail I'm with you on that. Yeah, I would prefer that these, like, I like the idea of the manufactured romance, but I would, like, prefer that this series had ended with them being like, we're very good friends. Whereas the love stories in, uh, and noticed I used the plural, in (laughs) Battle Royale um, is used as the, as a tool for the character's who know that they're gonna die to just say everything that's on their mind so you have them running up to other people being like i love you and then they die (laughs) or they as they're dying they profess their love for the person and you know inevitably the person ends up liking somebody else so (laughs) it's very very true to high school i see you hiroki (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you play a... in the hunger games there is like a suggestion that uh the girl from district one glimmer and the boy from district two kato are like kind of like cuddling each other a lot and sort of they seem to be like flirting a lot but it's like a very it feels like an element that maybe the actors added in um it's not really a major focus at all it's just sort of a hint um which is kind yeah. of interesting because they also kind of don't give a shit about each other because they're both also trying to win. And are you are you talking about when they are under the tree that Katniss is in? Uh, well, even like leading up to that, they they seem to talk to each other the most. Anytime you see that group of kids, um, like they talk directly to each other the most, um, and then they sort of are like kind of snuggling under the tree when they go to bed. Kato's um, the one, no, it's Marvel that ends up surviving at the end with the dogs, right? No, that's Kato. That Kato. Marvel's uh, the one who kills Rue and is immediately killed by Katniss because fuck him. You know what? Let's talk about the deaths. Huh, okay. <laughs> so obviously they both deal with deaths. However, they're very different with how they each movie approaches it uh you see the murders happen in battle royale whereas the hunger games you have what i'm gonna call the psycho effect where they just allude to them so like specifically rue you see kato throw the thingy beer Javelin? Javelin, that's the word. Yes. You see him throw the javelin, and then you see her just take it out of her, but you never actually see it puncture her. Right. Same goes for the beginning, where it's all... Very cheeky, Cam. Like, you never actually see... You see the hints of violence, you never directly see it, and part of that is so that they could keep a PG-13 rating, because... MPAA really doesn't like violence. Right. Um, But part of it is also because it's keeping that uh, Katniss point of view where she can't fully see the murders, so the audience can't fully see them either. 
Which is another big difference between both of these movies that I just thought of, by the way. Because <laughs> I'm brilliant. Um, the... For them, when the camera is on Katniss, it's always Katniss on Katniss's side. So, like, you got the shaky cam when uh, she uses the explosives to blow up their the their food. Uh, she goes deaf, so there's no sound really, or the sound yeah, is you hear great. the ringing, the tinnitus. Whereas that's not that's not present at all, and I think that actually goes back to the. Books, boom! Ah, ah I made a point. It. You I tied did it in. Circle. <laughs> but you know what? We've been talking about death and stuff, so let's talk yeah. about weapons. Oh, okay. So, obviously, they both have weapons. Surprise! <laughs> um, they're both kind of provided for the kids. However, now you have that opening arena scene where they. Um, have to fight for their mm-hmm. weapons as well as survival packs. Yeah, That's yeah, they, they have to fight or just rely on their own skills out in the wilderness to actually eat anything or drink anything or get a weapon. And luckily our hero Katniss finds a backpack on the outskirts and Yeah. Uh, she also and- gets a knife thrown at her that she's able to block with her backpack, so then she gets a knife. Hooray! Good for but her. Really she wants a bow. Mm-hmm. That's her thing. Um, and then they also have sponsors. So the we- job that Hamish has is to go to the rich people in the capital and be like, hey, why don't you buy my Victor a spigot? Or, nope, that's in book two. Why don't you buy my Victor some cream because she burned herself? Um, right. And so they get little gifts flown to them magically. I still don't understand how that works, but... I mean, a lot of this, this takes place in the distant future. So anything that you don't recognize right away as technology that could exist, just be like, it's future technology. It's basically magic. Put a pin on that because I want to talk about weapons in Battle Royale and then we'll go to setting real after that. Um, Whereas in Battle Royale, the kids are literally given a survival pack with weapons in it (laughs) they call all of them weapons some of them are really good weapons and some of them are a pot lid or a paper fan (laughs) (laughs) but then you get the one kid that has a bulletproof vest which good for him but he still dies but whatever i mean great if you're you come up with to someone with a gun you come up to (laughs) someone with a knife which Actually, he, he dies by a sword, not a knife. Oh, right. Boom, boom, correction. But going, going, back to, going back to the point that you were kind of making, um, the setting is really different for both of these. Yeah. Uh, you were saying that it's, that the Hunger Games is set in the future? Yeah, it's in the far, far enough in the future that the country they live in is called Pan Am, and it's basically North America. Like it's pretty much uh, the United States and I guess Canada have formed this new nation that's also very sparse and um, the the different districts people live in are pretty spread out. So 
it seems like it's the result of some very serious wars. Um, that may or may not happen because you know, you know, uh, yeah. and you listener know too. <laughs> the year We're is at- 2020. So the Hunger Games might actually only be 20 years in the future. Let's be real. Kids, look out. <laughs> Whereas you've got um, Battle Royale, which is set in an... I'm going to call it an alternate present-day Japan. Yeah. It's like, if it's the future, it's like five years from now. and it's- You've got a government that wants to control the teenagers in Japan, but and they create the program right um which is the br act that they mention in the um in the uh, text, the text yeah. before the movie yeah oh that's another we forgot to mention both movies do start with text cards right to so it's kind of a superficial thing but they they do both start with that to sort of help set what's happening in this society that we're following and also for those that have not read the books you should read the books god damn it Um, So I did talk about the government in Japan creating the program. And similarly, what's the word that I want to use? Similarly? Thank you. That, um, you have that in The Hunger Games, where it's more reinforced by President Snow and you have a face. Like Mm. you have... Uh, Takashi Sensei being the he's sort authority of the avatar. Thing. Yeah, he he he's their old teacher, and he's the one who sets up the rules for them and everything. But he's not the leader of this, you know, um, this no. government. But he does sort of serve as the avatar who represents all of that. Whereas in Hunger Games, you have President Snow, who is. Pure Evil and Donald Sutherland's best performance. I'm gonna say that right now. I him playing agree. President Snow needs to win something if he didn't. Um, Dude, and- I'm gonna try to make it as concise as possible, but I got a lot. I have some interesting things to add about Donald Sutherland's performance, but he's so good in this movie. <laughs> uh, where he uses the games to like keep the people of Panem at bay. And he will destroy anyone that rebels against him. Right. This goes for adults. He uses specifically kids for the Hunger Games to strike further terror in people. Specifically the, the adults. Right. Because, because it's immoral. And it's, it puts their children at risk instead of just themselves. Because lest we forget about District 13. Moment of silence for District 13. And we're done because we're, <laughs> we don't have enough time for that. Right. That's book three. That, Um, I have two more things that I want to say that are comparisons and then two things that are differences. So let me get through those real quick and we can discuss. Um, I say that both movies have a bittersweet ending, though they're very different. It's Mm -hmm. still a bittersweet ending where you have Noriko and Shuya surviving this hellish game (laughs) experience experience but because they are are both the survivors of it they are on the run from the government right they cheated so they're fugitives right whereas 
it's blatantly laid out for Katniss at the end by Hamish that you think this you think this is the end of the games? Just you wait. We've got we've got three more movies to get through. <laughs> Look at that's, your contract. And that's the other thing I wanted to mention is that both have sequels. And oh. then the other major difference is, is that though they're both action movies, Battle Royale is a satire. Right. Where and um Hunger Games is like a romance slash thriller. Would you would you agree with me on that? I, I want to say almost more of a horror movie because it's so stuck in Katniss's um, point of view. It's almost set up more like a horror movie based I around her emotions. Don't want to label these either of these as horror movies, though. Because but I just mean like in terms of. So Battle Royale, we see pretty much all of the murders happen and there's a lot of emphasis on that and lots of blood splurting and everything. Uh, in the Hunger Games, there's more emphasis on the suspense of being hunted, almost. So do you want to say that it's... A that suspense. They're, it's a suspense. I, I started this saying that they're different, but do you want to say that they're both the same genre where it's action and satire? Because they do satirize the whole um, I would say, television aspect. I would say they're both blends of the same genres with different emphasis. Emphases? Emphasis. 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 Yes. Like, um, because I would almost say that The Hunger Games, if I had to slot it into one genre, sci-fi. When you think of hard classic sci-fi as being an examination of humanity and society and how it interacts with technology, I think that's sort of more along the lines of what The Hunger Games is, whereas Battle Royale has a harder emphasis on the violence. But it's also a satire, which is not read by Western audiences. Right. And then the other major difference, which you did touch upon earlier, but I wanted to give it its own moment. Sure. Um, you mentioned in Hunger Games that Districts 1 and 2 groom their children to win the games mm -hmm. while other districts just like know about it. And like the kids may pick up a skill within their own district that will help them win maybe or help right. them at least survive. But they're I, all so poor that they can't dedicate themselves to it. It's the wealthier districts where they can do that. Well, I'm, I wrote down as a reference Katniss with her bow. Like, she right. had to learn how to use that to provide for her family. Right. So with her going into the games, obviously she's a master. Right. And then even, like, uh, PETA has certain skills that he's able to use, which are directly related to what he what his job is supposed to be. He can lift heavy things because he has to carry around bags of flour because his family, they're a bunch of bakers. And he knows how to paint because he was the cake decorator. Do and you, come into play. Do you mean makeup artist Vaniel knows how to do her job? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Uh, on the other hand, we have in the Hunger Games. Nope, I did that one already. <laughs> On the other hand, we have in Battle Royale, while some students are willingly participating 
in the murders. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, mostly Shuya, because he's the hero of that story, want to come up with a plan to overthrow the game peacefully. And then you also have a few of them committing suicide because they would rather not be murdered at somebody else's hand. Right. Die on your own terms without having to kill someone else. So you have like a few kids that hang themselves. You have that one couple that jumps off the cliff. Declaring their love. Very Declaring sweet. their love, which we mentioned earlier. Yeah, teenagers, man. Um, that's all I have. What do you have? Did I miss anything? Um, did we miss, oh. we, in our discussion, did we miss anything? <laughs> Uh, the only thing that I have that didn't really come up, and you could throw this away if you want, both of them feature major set pieces uh, that take place at a structure that is disturbingly phallic. The lighthouse from Battle Royale. Oh my god, why didn't the, I think of that? And the cornucopia at the Hunger Games, which I, you know, I don't know, total <laughs> accident, it was just a random observation I made. Both movies have big dick energy, and oh my god, I did not <laughs> realize that. Uh, well, I was, and that's, I'm going to say, a total accidental thing. I don't think either of these movies meant that as, like, a phallic symbol. That was amazing. <laughs> so now we're going into a, a segment that we like to call Special Features. Special Features. <laughs> so in Special Features... Shady and I are each going to take a movie, uh, do further research into some trivia, fun facts, in the hopes to nerd out, surprise each other, and maybe surprise you. Um, I took Battle Royale, and since it came out, I'm going to go first, nanny nanny boo boo. Uh, So I, I literally read this on TV Tropes. Hi. I told you about that. I literally read this on TV Tropes, and I was just like, I can't condense this, so I'm just yanking the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, So, Battle Royale is often credited with inspiring the Battle Royale game genre, which is named after the book and its various adaptations. However, Battle Royale, the movie, plays the tropes found in the Battle Royale game genre for drama to explore themes about trust, paranoia, and morality. As a result, it unintentionally acts as a darker and edgier deconstruction of the video games it inspired. While games such as Player Unknown's Battlegrounds or Fortnite encourage killing of of the other players to win, Battle Royale notes that in real-life scenario, killing other people, especially one's friends, to survive goes against most people's instincts and would naturally invoke a moral dilemma. In fact, most of the students in the story are uninterested in killing one another, and some try to rebel against the system, like stated before. Likewise, the top killers in Battle Royale were a sociopath whose brain damage gave him a lack of empathy, Kazuo in the book, and a cynical empty shell who wanted to take revenge against the world due to her abusive upbringing, which is Mitsuko. Finally, winning the game, quote-unquote, is a pyrrhic victory, as most of the winners tend to end up mentally broken by the entire ordeal. That is why... (laughs) (laughs) 
it's called Battle Royale, at least why it's translated, which when I read that, I was just like, oh my God, it makes sense. (laughs) The trope is older, obviously older than the movie title, but like the fact that they use that as the title, just. (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, that was really interesting. That was like a really interesting, just lens to view this. Um, All the players were born between 1979 to 1985, except the two transfer students. The the actors playing the transfer students were not born in in that time frame. You've got Tower... I'm so going to murder these names, and I am so sorry. Yeah, um, Uh, just full disclosure, we are trying our best. We are reading a lot of Japanese names, and we are two white Americans who don't get to speak other languages very often. Very well said, President Shady. Um, You have Teru Yamamoto, who plays Shogo. He was born in 1974. And Masanobu Ando, who plays Kazuo, was born in 1975. Hmm. Um, No stunt doubles were used at all in this film, which... That's surprising. Yeah. Uh, so director Kenji Fukusaku, uh, if you look at his film career, he worked on several Yakuza films. So that kind of explains the level of gore <laughs> in, yes. this, in this movie. Um, but facts about him, he celebrated his 70th birthday while filming this movie. So good for Unfortunately, he passed away during production of the sequel. Um, he did film the scene with Takashi Kitano, who plays Kitano Sensei. Um, but his son, writer of this film and the sequel, Kenta Fukasaku, took over directing the sequel. That makes a lot of sense, sir. Did you know that Quentin Tarantino was reportedly offered the role to play of to play the president of the United States in that movie? What? I did not know that. Unfortunately, he declined it. Oh, why? And they wrote it off. They wrote the character out. Uh, well, so segue. Uh, Battle Royale, the first one, is Quentin Tarantino's favorite film. Speaking of him, mm-hmm. he actually cast. I practiced this last night. He cast Chaki Kiriyama, who plays Takako, in Kill Bill Volume 1 as Gogo. And originally, uh, I think she was cast. I couldn't find anything to support this. But uh, Ko Shibasaki, who plays Mitsuko, was going to play Gogo's sister in Kill Bill Volume 1. That would have been cool. Or at least be a part of that sequence somehow. Right. I remember reading that once somewhere on like IMDb and it has since disappeared. But right. but if she was going to be in, can you just imagine her and her crazy eyes in that mm-hmm. scene? Girl. <laughs> she's so good in this movie. She, she's like, not quite evil, but she's a chilling character. But yes. she plays her so well. She's so compelling that like, I almost wish the movie was about her as an anti-hero. Uh. Or like if there were like 
a sort of spin-off movie that's the same events from a different point of view and it's from <gasps> the whole time. Okay, so let's write to Koshun Taku- Takami. Okay. He's, he wrote Battle Royale, the book. Mm-hmm. So let's write to him and be let's like, listen, listen, we want to, I want, I personally <laughs> want three more books of the same story. Right. I want it from Shogo's perspective. So this way you get more of his backstory in it. I want it from Mitsuko's perspective. And then I want it from Kazuo's perspective. Could you imagine Kazuo's storyline? So like those three books will be more first person than what he, than his masterpiece. I'm I'm calling it a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, uh, the movie was never really banned in America, contrary to popular belief. Um, it was originally unavailable because either licensing fees with uh, Toei, the production company that created it, or because it was coming out right after Columbine. Mm, so That's awkward. Um, wait, this is... Not a fun fact at all. Just a random observation that ties into a fun fact with Battle Royale. So. You did research? No, I didn't do research. This is just an observation I made as a viewer watching the movie. I just thought it was interesting that Chigusa, um, who's played by Chiaki Kuriyama, if I'm saying all that wrong, I sincerely apologize. But in her big scene, she's wearing a yellow tracksuit. That's ba- that's probably based off of the Bruce Lee film. Right. And she's also in Kill Bill, where the bride wears a yellow tracksuit in I reference to Bruce, Bruce Lee. It's I hate just, you right now. I don't I think that you. was done on purpose. It just was something that stood out to me. and I was Everything's like, done on purpose. <laughs> there are no accidents. No coincidences. Um, okay. 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 This one, I just love it. Can we talk about the training video girl for a hot sec? Yeah, the scene that reminds me of Starship Troopers? Yes. Okay, love that scene. The actress, Yuko uh, Miyamura. Okay. She is a voice, she's actually a well-known voice actress. Um, She is, if you look at her credits, she's done a ton of anime as well as video games obviously the Japanese versions of them and hold on to your seat, Shady. I'm holding. She is one of the Japanese voice actresses for Chung Lee in street fighter from 1995's street fighter zero to 2012's Marvel versus Capcom origins. She voiced that character for almost 20 years. That's amazing. Ah! <laughs> uh, full disclosure, I do not play video games. I'm not much of a gamer whatsoever. But you but know Chun-Li. Love, I love Chun-Li, just like as a character. Like, I, I want her backstory and everything. I just want her to shout the Japanese version of Spinning Wild Kick. <laughs> and I need that to be my ringtone. Can somebody help me with that? I will, I'll see what I can do. I will pull some strings with the zero people that I know in positions of power. Thank you. Okay. And my last fact 
is an American remake had been in development since early 2000s and producer Roy Lee reportedly obtained the rights in 2006. After the release of The Hunger Games, Lee stated the project had been canceled because audiences would see it as just a copy of the games. Most of them wouldn't know that Battle Royale came first. It's unfair, but that's reality. Huh. (laughs) Sounds like our podcast, and it sounds like a sexy segue for Shady to talk about The Hunger Games. Yeah. Shady, blow my mind up. Give me some. I guess this isn't a fact so much as an observation. Personally, I don't necessarily trust any American adaptation of any Japanese property. So I think maybe it's better that we have the Hunger Games as a separate but similar thing instead of an American battle royale. That's fair, because we'll lose a lot. I, I just don't think like the satire would be as sharp. Yeah, I find that when American audience, when Americans remake Asian films, mm-hmm. and I'm including all of Asia, One, there's a few of them, <laughs> that we lose the essence of the culture. Right. Why that film is important. Like, right. oh yes. Yes, that's a great example. Um, Pulse, I, that's the movie I was thinking of. Uh, okay. I think that one's yeah. a Thai film, but still. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I just think if they remade American Battle Royale, the focus would be so much on graphic violence and not so much the commentary about the state of things. The 2006 John really wanted an American remake because I mean, 2006 John. Yeah, I don't blame him. I wanted an American remake of Battle Royale too, and it's only recently that I've like, accepted it yeah 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 like we always have the japanese one yes we always have it um okay so fun facts about the hunger games the first thing that i wanted to get into uh because it ties very much into the themes of uh the whole franchise and some people would say it's maybe a little too on the nose i think it's perfectly where it needs to be considering the target audience for this is mostly girls so it needs to be a little less subtle um but the name of the nation they live in is panem that comes from a latin phrase that i'm gonna try very hard not to mispronounce right now panem et kerkensis which means that roughly translates to bread and circuses or bread and games um, and that is, is attributed to Juvenal, who uh, was a poet and a theorist in ancient Rome. I'm just going to read this straight off of Wikipedia because they phrased it better than I can. Great. In a political context, the phrase means to generate public approval, not by excellence in public service or public policy, but by diversion, distraction, or by satisfying the most immediate or base requirements of a populace, by offering a palliative. For example, food, bread, or entertainment circuses. Juvenal, who originated the phrase, used it to decry the selfishness of common people and their neglect of wider concerns. The phrase implies a population's erosion or ignorance of civic duty as a priority. And see, I thought it came from Pangea. I, I, but I do remember reading that it's from the Latin phrase. Yeah. Which 
forgot that it meant bread and circuses. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, and uh, I think that mostly describes the people of the capital more so than the people in the districts. Are you not satisfied? <laughs> yeah, um, hey, if you like these movies and want to see something similar but uh, historical <laughs> drama that won an Oscar, watch Gladiator? I don't know. Ooh. I'm not the biggest fan of Gladiator. I haven't seen it. It's okay. Was that Russell Crowe? Yes. Yeah. Russell yeah. Crowe at his finest? Yeah, probably. No, Until... his finest is probably the nice guys, but that's I was going to say that. Oh, really? I was about to say that. Dude. I was like, until the, ni- until the nice guys, when he came back? <laughs> yeah, he's funny in that. That's why I like so, it. Um, the novel, The Hunger Games, and the screenplay uh, were written by Suzanne Collins. Um, Suzanne Collins uh, gained prominence as a screenwriter for several television shows, my favorite among them being Clarissa Explains It All. Shut up. No, I refuse. What? She also wrote for Little Bear and a Clifford cartoon, Clifford the Big Red Dog. Oh my God. I know. And she wrote this book about children murdering each other. (laughs) I feel like in the book, it's more of a subplot, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I just thought that was fun to say. She wrote a political satire, you meant to say. (laughs) Ah, there you go. Um, Jennifer Lawrence was cast to play Katniss in this movie. Katniss is 16 years old. Jennifer Lawrence was 21 at the time. Mm-hmm. Which... Usual. Yeah, but they did uh, strongly consider casting a teenager. Um, they looked at Sarah Ronan, Chloe Moritz, and Haley Steinfeld. They were all younger than 16 at the time, weren't they? I believe so. <laughs> yeah. But like they, they probably... Were, also looked 16, if you Right. Know. I think at this point, Saoirse Ronan and Haley Steinfeld already had Oscar nominations. Chloe Moritz was like the it girl. Jennifer Lawrence uh, had originally considered turning down the role because at that point, she had really only done indie films and she wasn't sure if she was ready to take on a movie like this. So her accepting this role and then rocketing straight into stardom kind of reflects what happens to Katniss where she's plucked out of obscurity and then all of a sudden people are obsessed with her people are fans of her people just want to know everything about her and she's ending up in gossip magazines and stuff life becomes art becomes life exactly also quick film recommendation uh the movie that she had done just before this was called uh, is called winter's bone she got an oscar nomination for it she's amazing in it if you like The Hunger Games, maybe check that out because it's kind of similar. Like, it has a lot of similarities to The Hunger Games. Um, very good movie. I like it. Like, people were upset that Jennifer Lawrence got cast because she looked, quote, too well-fed to play a character who had spent most of her life starving. And she, as an actress, very responsibly refused to starve herself for the role. Good. Knowing that it would be teen and preteen girls looking up to her, she was like, I'm not doing that. Good for her. I'm proud of her. More so than Emma Watson in, in uh, Beauty and the Beast, but I'm proud of her. Yeah. Um, Wes Bentley did cut his beard for Seneca. With you all the, like, shut up. <laughs> that was his actual facial hair. He did the little curly cues and everything. Oh, my God. God, God bless him for it. Do you have... Elizabeth Banks, who plays Effie Trinket, whose name we do not hear in the movie... 
Surprise. But she is a big time fan of the book series and she actively sought to be cast in this role. Huh. She also is a big enough fan that she ships Effie and Hamish together and she begged Suzanne Collins to have them end up together in the books. <laughs> Did they? Uh, they don't in the books. Effie sort of disappears after the second book, but in the movies, they keep her and they have that wonderful character arc with her. Oh my God, yes. And I love it. Yeah, it's so good. And then her, I guess her last scene in the movies, she kisses Hamish. But it's like, it could be romantic. It could be platonic. But I think oh. that was done for Elizabeth. Thanks. <laughs> I just love that... Um... She made somebody so vapid in the books so lovable. Yeah. Like, in the books, you're, you're like, granted, you're reading it through Katniss's perspective, but it's neither, you're neither here nor there about her. She's just, meh. She, she's, all, she's kind of like a villain in a way, because she's a capital. She's right. a representative of the capital. She is a function of the Hunger Games, so there is a negative association with her. Uh, whereas Elizabeth Banks, God bless her, deserves awards. She's so good. Uh, here's another fun fact that I pulled off TV tropes. Elizabeth Banks was such a big fan of the idea of Effie and Hamish Abernathy ending up together that she got to, in the Pitch Perfect series, she got to pick out her character's last name and she picked Abernathy. Oh my God. I know. I didn't even think of that. I know. Um, also, just an apology. There is a thunderstorm happening around me. And I, I don't can't. know if you can hear it. Nope. Okay. I just thought I would put that in there in case there's background noise. Can you hear my uh, AC? Not really. I added the extra rubber foam Ooh. thing. So yeah, I was hoping it sounds like, something. Yeah. No, it sounds like less background noise than we typically get on these calls. You're welcome. I figured it out. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then what was the other one? Okay. Another actor who sought mm. out, actively sought out to be cast in this movie because he came across the script by accident. I don't really have the details as to how that happened. It fell off a truck. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Like, I don't know if like his agent got it and accidentally passed it on to the wrong person or if it was, or if he saw it at like a producer friend's house. I don't know. But Donald Sutherland got the, saw the script by accident, loved the character of President Snow, wanted to be cast in it, actively sought out to be cast, got cast. While they were shooting the film, he wrote this long, beautiful letter to Gary Ross, the director. And there is actually a video on YouTube you can look up um, to hear him read it. If you look up the Hunger Games Letters from the Rose Garden on um, YouTube, you should be able to find it. It's like a nine minute video. Um, and he reads this letter where he explains his idea of President Snow's um, motivations. He, he's the one who came up with this idea that President Snow would be obsessed with his rose garden because it's a way that he can control something that is both beautiful but violent. And he would be such a control freak that that sort of symbolizes how he feels about the districts, thinking that Panem as a nation is beautiful when kept under control, 
that can grow wild and violent if he doesn't sit there and call it. Oh my God. I know. And so those scenes with him in the Rose Garden, those were added by Gary Ross after he read that letter because he was like, this is genius. Like, it's, it serves its dual purpose because it feeds into that. And then it's like, we should like tell the audience what's going on for those right. who like, read the book. Right. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And it, you know, really strengthens a lot of the themes and everything. And he's so good. Yes. Like, Donald and- Sutherland, bow down. He's so good in these movies, masterclass in acting. I think that whole video is just like a great sort of portrait of how an actor can really collaborate with directors and writers to create. And it's Donald Sutherland reading it or it's Gary Ross reading it? It's Donald Sutherland. Uh, There's like interviews with both of them talking about leading up to that letter. And like then Gary Ross after it's read talks about like oh man i have to put this in the movie so we set up the rose garden blah 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 it's so beautiful uh i'll have to look it up i don't know that this movie would be what it is without without donald sutherland doing some sort of character analysis for the director right and it's great because the the character president snow doesn't show up that much in the book he's a presence but not a direct threat. He's more so in the later books, if I remember correctly, because then they bring up, that's when they bring up the roses. So to introduce that in the first movie kind of makes it more important. Yes. Yes. It uh, sets him up better to be the main antagonist. Mm -hmm. Let me pull up the right article because I'm going to read this straight from NPR. So The Hunger Games uh, obviously was a pretty big hit, Um, and it was an international hit that really sort of entered a lot of phrases and um, certain icons from the series entered the popular lexicon. Um, For example, in 2014, there was a military coup in Thailand, and I'm not going to get too into it because I am not from Thailand and I am not an authority on any of that. Valid. There were street protests against this coup, um, and several of the protesters started using the same three-finger salute that they use in the Hunger Games. Oh my God. Uh, When there were protests in Ferguson after the shooting of Michael Brown, uh, graffiti popped up that said, if we burn, you burn with us, which is also from the Hunger Games franchise. So it's just sort of uh, in a time of increasing social unrest, it's, um, it's popped up here and there as just sort of a symbol for protests and civil disobedience and things like that. And it's interesting sort of the real world um, impact that it's had. And that was our special features. Special features. So final thoughts. There, uh, I found that there were other movies that kind of follow uh, some of the tropes that we were talking about, especially yeah. when you like bare bones the plot. Um, there's The Running Man from 1987 starring the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger, the <laughs> governor, uh, which... I guess you can say because it was in 87 sort of 
originated this idea of a, a reality murder show that <laughs> that goes on. And then you have in 2007, The Condemned, where it's more like Battle Royale, uh, where they have a an explosive ankle-like bracelet type thing. Um, I just don't understand how that kills you instead of only amputating you. There is enough explosive in there to blow you up, apparently. It's like packed with C4. It's not, <laughs> I'm describing it wrong. Think of like a, um, a house arrest ankle, ankle bracelet. Okay. That's what it is, but okay. with C4 in it. Okay. Okay. I just personally cutting costs as a government agent would transfer that into a necklace, uh, like a choker and not have to use as much C4 and save a little money. I mean, it made for explosions. It was a WWE movie starring Stone Cold Steve Austin. So if you want to like waste two hours of your life and watch something that's very racist. Oh no. Oh yes. (laughs) I'd say watch it. Uh, And then, you know, you have, there's a whole list of movies from there that uh, is the the battle royale trope. Right. It's Last Man Standing, but it's more they more so focus on convicts and um, prisoners. Like that's the condemned. But I pu- I wanted to add it because of the extra pit, uh, pieces where like they have the explosive anklets and they're on a deserted island and right. it's also a um, filmed like a reality show. Okay. So I mean, you have, I guess, yeah, go ahead. So you have like the question of morality where instead of the contestants wondering if killing each other is right or wrong, you have outside forces telling the director of the show the condemned like what what are you doing <laughs> how can how can you create this snuff content <laughs> I, yeah i guess it further questions what the audience is even doing watching it and what they're supporting <laughs> so shady i've got a few more questions for you and then we can okay. get to plugs okay um wait can i there... add something very quickly Fine. it's a it's just a quick button so the idea behind this is kind of something that's kind of exists in all of humanity as far back as we know in history Um, i mean we mentioned gladiators so right yeah um but it is interesting that the new thing is that it's not a live spectacle that people go into an arena to see it's something that they watch via a camera which is an interesting addition because it's so much more dehumanizing to put a screen between the audience and the contestants Ooh, watch The Condemned. Vinnie Jones attacks some of the cameramen in it. Oh <laughs> yes, oh Vinnie Jones is also in it. Um, I might have to watch this. So, Shady, I have a few more questions, and then we'll get to plugs. Let's do it. The, these are questions that we're going to answer every episode, so hopefully you can answer along with us. First question, did we like these movies? I'm going to say I did. Me <laughs> I too. like both of them. Yeah, they're both good. Uh, would we watch them again? Of course! <laughs> I've watched them multiple times already. 
Would we recommend them? Yes, a million times over. If you haven't watched them by now, what's wrong with you? You should. Um, and finally, are they actually the same? I'm going to argue yes, because they have the same base. Uh, they have a lot of similar points that we've mentioned. Um, yes, there are there are differences thrown about but i'm gonna say yes they are the same i'm gonna go the opposite and say that these movies almost could not be more different Ooh, why um they have the same basic premise but a story is more than its premise otherwise everything starts to look the same these movies have wildly different tones wildly different aesthetics wildly different styles they have very different scopes um, and the themes that they play with are similar but very different. A lot of that is because of the cultural differences where they were originated from. Uh, okay, so we're never going to agree on this point. <laughs> no. Let's, they have let's the ag- same premise, but a movie is not its premise. A movie is everything around the premise. Mm, agree because to disagree. Even, even, the plot, even the plot is not the same. The premise is. <laughs> Shady. Yeah. What's your personal social media so people can agree with you? You can find me on Twitter at CookieOShady, uh, C-O-O-K-I-E-O-S-H-A-D-Y. And I'm not on Instagram, so don't find me you there. Can, if you want to agree with me, twat me on the Twitterverse at John underscore watches underscore movies. Uh, that is John without an H. Or you can just search at Movies John. And we have social media for the podcast. Our uh, email is moviedejavupod at gmail.com. That is M-O-V-I-E-D-E-J-A-V-U-P-O-D at gmail.com. Uh we also have an Instagram that is the same at Movie Deja Vu Pod. And on Twitter, we are at Movie Deja Vu No Pod. Um, <laughs> if you also have an idea for a future episode, please write in to any of those, DM us, whatever the kids are saying to uh, basically mention, like, say a letter uh you you can do that we will drive ourselves crazy for you our listeners because hopefully there's more than 10 of you thank you for going with us on this journey we have future episodes coming out uh be on the lookout for them and until next time we don't need another hero we don't need to know the way home.